Father, thank you so much. Uh, we can gather again today around your word. Uh, we just thank you for the sunshine and the recreation and just the shared time together and dancing and laughing and playing and singing and worshiping and praying and uh, just what a gift it is to retreat with you, Jesus. Uh, we just thank you that we get a retreat with you and retreat with one another. Um, what a gift. In Jesus' name, amen. So my wife and I, uh, we got married July. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Congratulations. June, correction. June 18th, 2005. <laughs> Awkward. Awkward. June, July. Both start with a J. January. All that. So much. June 18th, 2005, at McCormick Woods Outdoor <laughs> Wedding course. Golf Course. You got married there? I did. <laughs> Wedding venue twins. It <laughs> <laughs> happened. Beautiful sun setting. Uh, just, you know, a magical evening. As we were, like, saying the vows, a deer, like, like pranced behind us, looked over, and it was like, Hi, Jake and Lindsay. Hope you have a great marriage. <laughs> and then just pranced off and the whole thing. And um, we had got a, a few hundred people there just dancing, partying. They gave us tons of gifts. People are super generous. And No, this is all real. You, you can verify this. This is. I mean, the tear might not have said that, but everything else, this is this is real. This is something else. And so. You know, needless to say, our parents put a bunch of time into this, uh, Lindsay's mom especially, uh, a lot of time, a lot of money and energy, and um, we had this incredible wedding. And so, being the kids that we are to our parents, three years later, after this wedding, um, right around April Fool's Day, we sent out, just to our parents, just to our parents, very elaborate vow renewal invitations. So as if we were going to renew our vow, after they've just thrown us this huge wedding, invited you know, all the family, all the friends, we sent out these invitations, very fancy. It's like, Jake and Lindsay are renewing their vows on their three-year anniversary, like nice letterhead. And then had a little like RCVP card and said, they are registered. It was like, that's right. After everyone had given us all this stuff, like they are registered at Crate and Barrel and... Sports Authority. <laughs> yes. And our moms freaked out. Like, it was the best April Fool's like, uh, prank ever. Like, my mom called and she's just like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And then she, she says, you have got to get your wife under control. <laughs> <laughs> And then, if you know my family, my, my grandma is, my grandma's the type, she is very, like, formal, very, like, very proper. And, and the next thing my mom says is, did your grandma get one of these invitations? Like, stop the mail. She can't get it. You have to call this off. Like, if grandma gets a vow renewal for a three year anniversary, like, heads are going to fly. <laughs> and then I just asked my mom, I was just like, mom, do you know what day it is? And she's like, 
I don't know what Dan is. I don't care what Dan is. I'm just, and I'm like, just because we like timed it. We mailed them and everything. Nice and loves timed it that they would just land there on April 1st. And um, she's like, I don't know. I don't care. I was like, well, just take a deep breath, Mom. I know. I mean, we just really want to celebrate our marriage. We want to renew our vows. We want to strengthen things. And and we also think today is a very special day, too. And so she's paused and she's thinking. She just, and then she just Oh my goodness, she caught me so good. She's like, I was gonna die. Like, oh. So question. A vow renewal is something that people usually do after like 50 years of marriage. Like, like Lindsay's grandparents did a vow renewal in Hawaii and like flew the family there and it was like amazing, beautiful, everyone just weeping, you know, celebrating 50 years of marriage. Or it's usually like maybe a 10, 15, 20 year uh, thing after you've gone through like a real major hardship in the marriage. Like, didn't think the marriage was gonna make it, and now it, it is, and you renew your vows, and renew your love for one another. Usually not something you do after three years of like <laughs> happy, drama-free marriage. <laughs> um, and then Lindsay's mom, um, Lindsay's mom called freaking out in, in uh, what was the thing she said? Oh. We found this out later. She didn't say this to us, but we found out later her reaction from the rest of the family. And she was just walking around, pacing back and forth, going, I, had, I raised her better than this. I raised her better than this. I can't believe it. So we just got that. Like, we'll never be able to top that April Fool's with our parents. Like, we just got them so hook, line, and sinker. Um, and the reason I share that story is there, there are some announcements and events that are just so big, so monumentous that you, you can't undo them or redo them. And, and a wedding is kind of like that, right? It's just like this life is now changed. You are man and wife. The families have come together. The, the, the cake has been cut. The celebration has been celebrated. And, it, and it's major. In, in Mark, there is this major announcement. If you go with me to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That Jesus comes on the scene, and there is this life-changing, monumental, can't-take-it-back, earth-shattering announcement that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is right here, right at hand, with the person of Jesus. That this new rule and reign, not the way that the world works, not the just greedy despots and tyrants and all crazy political systems and the competition and the backstabbing and the dog-eat-dog -dog world and the survival of the fittest lifestyle of the kingdom of earth, but an entire new kingdom, a kingdom that is ruled by love, a kingdom that is ruled by grace, a kingdom that has a loving king, and a, as we've talked about, a king who is great in control and great in character. This kingdom is now at hand, and this announcement says, now repent, stop living for other kings and other kingdoms, Enjoying the kingdom of heaven. Come to know the king of heaven. 
And as, as Mark goes on, even just in this first couple chapters, you begin to see a taste of what the king is like and what his kingdom is like. You see his kingdom begin to just explode onto the scene. Walk with me through some of these stories in, in Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And you can just even read just some of the headings if, you're, if your Bibles have headings. Um, it said, Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. It says, and they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. That this is a king with authority. It's not just someone that talks about stuff. His, his words have power and authority. And immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, with a demon. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, when Jesus teaches, the demons are shuddering. We know who you are. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. What is this? Well, what is it? We just saw. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of light breaking into the darkest parts of earth. Even the parts that demons have inhabited, the kingdom of light is coming through. The scripture says this, that the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Scripture says this about Jesus. In him is light and in, no, in him there, he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. What happened? Light was turned on in the midst of darkness. What happened? Light moved into a space where there was once darkness. And here's the thing. You go into the darkest of dark rooms. What happens if you turn on a light? The darkness flees. There's never a struggle, right? It's like if you, I mean, sometimes your batteries are dead, your light bulb goes out and stuff. But if the light is on and working, like there's never this moment you turn on the light in the room and the darkness and the light are pushing back and forth and like, and, and you're, you're kind of seeing it start to move down in the room, and you're like, well, the room's starting to get brighter, and oh, now it's getting a bit darker, and now, but if you wait a few hours, eventually, like, oh, I could read in this room, because now the light has taken over, right? That's not how it works. It's just the light turns on, and boom, the darkness flees. And that's what happens when the kingdom of heaven comes down, because it is a kingdom of light. Uh, continuing on, verse 29, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, of James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. I just love the, this picture of, of the love that Jesus is bringing, right? Goes to Simon's mother-in-law, lay ill with a fever. And, it, and I just love this picture as he comes and takes her by the hand and lifts her up, right? There's this tenderness, this gentleness, this, this love. When the kingdom of heaven breaks in, when God's kingdom breaks in, it is a kingdom of love. We already have talked about that this weekend, that the, the law that rules this kingdom is the law of love. 
Loving God and loving others. And we love because he first... That's where the power comes from. It comes from first receiving the love from this king. And it's love that out of this light and love that is exploding forth, what we see flow out of light and love, this kingdom of light and this kingdom of love, and what flows out of that is healing. Right? She is laying ill. Uh, ill. <coughs> ill. Ill, like an 80s rapper. You guys weren't alive in the 80s, didn't get that reference, sorry. <laughs> it was in a lot of rap songs in the 80s. I'm dating myself. It's time to get ill. Oh, what time is it? It's time to get ill. You guys have never heard that. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. Fever left her. He comes and brings healing. Now listen to this. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And so what are they seeing? They're like, man, he's light. When he shines in darkness, darkness flees. The demons flee. All this thing. Let's bring everyone we know that has demons. And look, when he comes to the sick, they're healed. This is a kingdom of light. This is a kingdom of love. This is a kingdom of healing. And so they bring all were sick with him. It says, the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. This is what the kingdom of heaven did when he was walking on earth. He brought light, he brought love, he brought healing, and he went away to be alone with his father and pray. And pray. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. He just goes out. Then the next story, he's going to cleanse this leper. He's bringing again um, healing. He's bringing love. He's going to love someone who is an absolute outcast, right? Leprosy, it's contagious. If you had it, you were an outcast. People kept their distance from you. You, you, you were actually be cast out of the city. Listen to how Jesus responds. And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Man, what, what, a, what a way to pray, right? Jesus, if you will, you can transform Gig Harbor, Bremerton City. If you will, you can make me, make me whole. If you will, you can help me overcome this addiction, this problem, this trouble. If you will... And that we would just call upon his goodness and his power. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Light, love, healing, hope. This is what it looked like in the kingdom of God. How much hope did people begin to have? Here's how much hope people begin to have. 
This is a kingdom that brings hope to the hopeless. Hope to the hopeless. The type of hope to the hopeless where if you were a friend of someone who was, a, was paralyzed and had been paralyzed the entire life, and you begin to hear of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, you would be filled with enough hope to say, we have got to get our paralyzed friend to meet this king. Right? Mark chapter 2. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there's no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus isn't just healing the physical. He's going deeply, deep inside the deepest parts of us. And he heals us emotionally, spiritually. He forgives us from our sins, cleanses us, washes us. When Jesus sees this paralyzed man, the first thing he wants to heal and bring wholeness and light and love and healing and hope to is the man's spiritual standing before God. Brings healing there. Now some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose. And immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. Yeah, you've heard that story? It's a good one, huh? Light, love, healing, and hope. That's what it looks like when the kingdom of God enters the kingdom of earth. And that is what Jesus, that is what Jesus is offering us. He announces the same thing to us. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in this good news of his rule and reign, of his presence. And he, and he invites us to have the kingdom of God take more and more reign of our own hearts. And when that happens, we receive more and more of his light and his love and his healing and his hope within our own hearts and lives. Being transformed by the presence of his kingdom, by the presence of this king. And that begins to then overflow and spill out of our own hearts and into our home. And into our neighborhoods. Into the spaces around us. And we get invited to... To dive into God's kingdom with him. And part of learning to be with Jesus together is that we now learn to join him in advancing and bringing the kingdom of God. Bringing light and love and healing and hope to the world around us. And with that comes incredible power. Now when we see brokenness, when we see hurting, when we see pain, we can step into those dark spaces 
knowing that we are children of the light. And oftentimes we see these dark situations, these broken situations, and we can get crippled with fear and, and be afraid of the battle and feel alone. But we have the king of heaven with us. When we step into those spaces, you know who is trembling? Yeah. Satan and his demons. Because light and darkness don't battle. Light steps into darkness and darkness flees. If you're the only Christian in your workspace, you actually get to step into that space with incredible power, humility, and confidence. Confidence because you are with the king. Humility because you're not the king. Courage because you're a child of the light. You get to step into those spaces with the strength of him by our side. The areas we feel weak, the areas we feel inexperienced, the areas we feel like this is way over my head, that is the best space to be. As Jesus says, where we are weak, he is strong. That's the place where his kingdom gets to shine forth. And we get to say, God, if you will, would you move in this space, in this situation? And we begin to bring the kingdom to others. It is so transformative. One of the ways that the kingdom of light broke into my life is I shared some of that story. One of the first things that happened after my mentor um, said, live like you have too much to live. And I started praying that prayer. One of the first things God uh, showed me was just junk that I had in my life, just some dark junk that had been there. One thing was just kind of like this, uh, an awkward sexual thing that happened to me as like a seven, eight-year-old with, with a friend of mine. It was just one of those things where it was like, um, neither knew what you're really doing, but it was just awkward and it stayed with me. And, it, and I never shared it with anyone, and it had just begun to just weigh me down. And, the, and it gave the enemy a foothold where he was just like, you are this awkward moment. You are that sin. This, this is something that's wrong with you. And I wouldn't think about it a lot of times, and then it would flash back, the memory would flash back, and I would just be buried under the weight of what's wrong with me. Why did that happen? You're messed up because of that. And I remember the kingdom of light starting to come into my life and the Lord saying, no, you can share this. And there's just a group of guys that had begun to pray with each other and for each other. And we were, we were seeing the light break into each other's lives. And I remember just like this just deep feeling in my gut, like just, just bring it out, just bring it out in the light. And I'm like, I don't know. What if they don't accept me? What if they don't like me? What if I get outcast? What if this is, what if this is the one thing that's just kind of too awkward, too weird to, be, to still be okay? And, God, and those are all the things that the darkness brings. The darkness will just lie to you and say, you're the only one that struggled with that. That is too big of a sin. You better hold on to that. You better keep that one way deep down. And instead I just remember just taking a deep breath and shared it. And everyone was just like, oh yeah, man, well, that's a bummer that happened. Well, let's pray for you. Let's pray. Pray that you be restored. We love you. Pray for me. And I remember it being like, 10,000 pound backpack just came off my shoulder. Just, I was just, whoa, this is awesome. Like light had broken in and the darkness fled. It fled. I never dealt with any of those lies or accusations or junk from that incident ever, ever again. And as I began to share that story with others, it, was, it wasn't much longer that I was walking with a friend of mine, they're like, man, I, I need, we need to go on a walk. And we went on a walk through the woods. And as we're walking, they said, Jake, I need to share something with you. I've never shared this with anyone ever. And they said, when I was a little kid, um, 
this babysitter had come over and molested me in the attic. I've done this a few times. And I never told anyone. I've been holding on to it for about 20 years. And they're weeping, and I was weeping. We prayed for them. They said, I have nightmares of this happening at least weekly. They're like, you're the first person I've ever told. And we begin to just see the light break into their lives. And they began to just experience healing. And they were able to then share this with their parents. And their parents weep over how it happened. And, and just there's guilt with them for it too. But then share the gospel with them. And they were able to share it with others. And then it became a part of their story. And they actually shared it as a testimony of events. And they would share it. And then people were coming up to them and saying, this same thing happened to me. Something similar happened to me. And they end up having this just kind of ministry of just breaking forth light to others as they shared their redemption story and how God had redeemed that. Because when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not overcome it. The light just continues to come and bring love and healing and hope over and over and over. And I think the word that God gave Will is, is genuine. There are some right here that that you might have something, you're just like, I've never told this to anyone. And God is saying, you can be released of that. That shame does not have to hold you anymore. You can bring that into the kingdom of light. That is God's kingdom. That is his kingdom. It is a kingdom of light, of love, of healing, of hope. And I have seen so many people who have been crippled by darkness utterly freed. As they stepped into the kingdom of life. Where there's no guilt. Where there's no shame. Where we get clothed in Christ's righteousness. Where we get called new creations. Where we get called saints. Where we get called beloved sons and daughters. Where we are called precious. Where we are washed clean. White as snow. Nothing we've done or nothing that been, has been done to us. Defines us anymore when we come to Christ. No longer defining. We are defined now by his love. He calls us beloved. He calls us new. A new creation in Christ. Completely fresh. Sees us. Like that song, he washes us white as snow. No blemishes, no shadows. That's not how he sees us. And so we get to see ourselves that way. We begin to confess and walk in the light. We get to see ourselves that way. Like I said, the kingdom of God begins to come inside of us. This light, love, healing, and hope begins to define us and flow out of us. Amen? Amen. This is what he invites us into. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus calling his, his first followers. He says, and Jesus said to them, follow me. Follow me. That's the invitation. Follow me. Come be with me. Come learn to be with me. And then he says, and I will make you. See, it's not follow him and then you change yourself. You do all the work. You figure it out. You scrub away this darkness. Have you tried that already? Like dealing with your guilt and your shame and your junk stuff that's happened to you or stuff that you've done and just tried to like scrub it off and it's like it's not coming off. Like you can't do it. No, he will make you into something. Just follow me, come to me, be with me, and I will make you. Follower of Jesus is one that follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus. And then he says, and I will make you into fishers of men. 
So someone who follows Jesus is being changed by Jesus, and now they begin to help others follow Jesus. I will transform you. My light, love, healing, and hope will begin to live inside you and dwell with you, and then you will join me and we'll fish for others. We'll bring light, love, healing, and hope to others. We will bring his kingdom to others. And we get invited to have an eternal purpose. Like, what have I done to get to deserve the just, I can't count the amount of times people have come to me and said, you are the only person I've ever told this to. And then they share it, and I get to pray and see just freedom and see chains be broken. I haven't done anything to deserve that. But I, I've gotten to work on, on, on be a part of something that has an eternal purpose. When we join the kingdom of heaven and advance the kingdom of heaven, we are working for something that the angels rejoice over and last infinitely. Like that's an infinite freedom that I get to take part in. We get to help uh, help set the captives free forever. And what else? Like getting to the next leveling up in Minecraft just doesn't compare to that, right? Like there's nothing else that compares to that. Like I'm now assistant to the regional manager. Like that doesn't compare to it, right? I like that one. <laughs> What other purpose, what other purpose, what other purpose is greater than this? To, do, to join Jesus in advancing the kingdom of heaven. Now, don't you want to see it in Gig Harbor and Stroberdare and Bremerton as in heaven? See the kingdom of heaven just break through the broken streets of Bremerton? See the kingdom of heaven just break through the walls of wealth in Gig Harbor. For people to know true joy and hope and love. Man, we get to join. He's inviting us into this. Oh, you guys want to hear how Lindsay and I got engaged? Yeah. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, so, I have to backtrack. Our, our first Christmas together, and Lindsay's birthday is the day after Christmas. So our first Christmas together, we were dating young love, 17 and 15 years old. We were high school sweethearts. Mm, yep, yeah, thank you. Mm. Met at the Round Table Pizza parking lot in Gig Harbor. Uh, back when we were in high school, there was no like uptown or anything. Like where everyone hung out was the Round Table Pizza parking lot in Gig Harbor. So like the weekend would come, and you would go to that parking lot and hang around out there and find out whose parents were at home and drive over there and party. And uh, that's what we would do like most weekends, you know? And um, so we had met there, and our, our dating anniversary was December 5th. So I'm just giving you some details. You need these details to understand the engagement story. Um, and on our first Christmas, I gave Lindsay as a gift... Ceramic angel napkin holders. Yeah. Yes. Ceramic angel napkin holders. And if you guys single or you want to just take your relationship to the next level, nothing says romance like ceramic angel napkin holders. That's the key. And, and so 
it was like a Christmas birthday celebration because, like I said, our, our birthday is the day after. And so the ceramic angel napkin holders were wrapped. And then on them, I had a balloon like tied, tied to them. And the secret was the balloon was like a birthday balloon and ceramic angel napkin holders were like the Christmas present. And the secret was that inside the balloon um, were, were diamond, diamond earrings. So just, ooh, I'm about to level up, you know? Um, and so she had to like, she opened the, uh, the ceramic angel napkin holders. And there's actually a picture. We have that picture uh, somewhere. And it's awesome because she just opened it and just like burst out laughing. Like, what in the world is this? Uh, and eventually she finds the earrings and, oh, yes, oh, nailed oh, it. Oh. Nailed it. So, on, do that again. on December 5th, 2004, it was our dating anniversary. Um, when I first had asked her, asked her to be my girlfriend, which, okay, real quick side try. This is funny. Do you know in high school you always have like kind of the third wheel, like that's just how you roll. So it was me and my best friend and and my girlfriend. And we were in her parents' hot tub, the three of us. And I was gonna ask her to like officially be my girlfriend, right? Because we were just kind of dating and hadn't, hadn't taken that step yet. And so I look over at my friend in the hot tub. I was like, Hey, you need to go leave the hot tub now. <laughs> For like five, ten minutes. Oh, uh, he just waters us out. All the way. <laughs> My girlfriend and she says of course and um and then i'm like dustin yeah get back in the hot tub and so on our dating anniversary of i've got it you know all planned out and we went to Johnny's Dock, if any of you have been to that restaurant, which we'd gone to for homecoming, our first major day, I went there. And I remember I was like so sick in my stomach, like I didn't eat, and I'm a pretty big eater, so I had like, I think, I remember seafood fettuccine, which I really liked, and I just like stirred it with my fork the whole night, you know, it was like, like just so nervous, you know. And, uh, and, and while, while we were doing that, I had my friends were in her room, um, her college room, we were in college at this time, and my friends were in her room and they filled her entire room up with balloons. And, um, and we hid, hid the engagement ring in one of those balloons. So it was a, it was a callback, right. And we went in there and it took a little longer than I thought to find the wedding ring. I hadn't thought of that part, like, hey, this is actually taking forever, we're popping balloons. And, uh, and I proposed and, and she cried and said yes. And we had a bunch of our friends. We already know I cried. I'm I like crying all day. To get Lindsay to cry is like an accomplishment. To get me to cry is like a Hallmark commercial. And and we had all of our like closest college friends were um, basically hiding in the down. She lived in it was like a three-story place. The main story was like the shared space, and then there's rooms upstairs and rooms in the basement. She lived with 16 gals in college, and 
everyone was hiding, all my closest friends, all her friends were all hiding in the basement while like we proposed in the upstairs room, and she didn't know any of them were there, and then when we came down, they were all there, and we just um, broke out the Martinelli's, right? Yeah. Words played, Allison, another Allison shout out, Allison's getting some shout outs this one. If you haven't heard that song, Busted yeah, Out, it's legit. Um, and we just celebrated. We said, yes, we promised, celebrated. We told everyone the story of engagement. People asking, how are you feeling? What were you thinking? And, you know, and we had this big celebration, and we were engaged, right? We were engaged, and it's this, this huge announcement, and we witnessed to it. And even years now, I'm witnessing to our engagement and to our wedding, right? And when Jesus, when, we, when Jesus breaks into our life and the, the, his kingdom breaks into our life and light, love, healing, and hope breaks into our life. We now live this, this new rhythm of witness and invitation. And we witness to what God is doing. And we can be sent out this week. And it's not just witness to what he initially did to bring you into his family. But we're constantly witnessing to this is what God was doing to this weekend in my life. This is what God was speaking to me this morning in my time with him. And we're witnessing it to We're witnessing to his light, love, healing, and hope. And then we invite others into it. Come and be a part of his kingdom. This is what God is doing in my life. Come and be a part of it. This is what his kingdom does. Come and check it out. And some people are going to RSVP yes to that. Some will RSVP no. They're not going to be able to make They're not interested. They don't know. Or maybe they will later, right? But this is the rhythm of life that God has set forth, and it's with his kingdom. Witness and invite. Hey, we had a baby. Witness. You need to come and hold him. Invite, right? Invite. We are engaged. Witness. You're invited to the wedding. Witness an invitation. Hey, we just bought a house. We're having a housewarming. Come. We witness to these good things that are happening in our life, and then we invite others to partake in it. Hey, I just got my license. I'm going to come pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, here in six minutes now, right? This, when I was 16... You got your license, you just picked up every friend you had, right? It was like, you're putting someone in the trunk, man. That's how we roll. It's like, yes, someone's got a car, let's go. Let's drive around to the round table pizza parking lot. Bread sticks on me. Witness an invitation. Witness an invitation. Witness an invitation. Jesus is inviting you into a life with him, to be with him. And when you're with him, something flows out of that. Lindsay and I have now been married 14 years. And as we've lived life together, we've created this life together. And when you create a life together, things, things grow out of that, right? Things come out of it. A life of Jesus, God, Jesus wants to just build a legacy around that life with him. You, you, you see other peoples come to know him. As you witness and invite to witness to your life of Jesus and invite others into that, that, Im, that impact spreads all around you. Like in our marriage, it's gone from just the two of us to now we've, we have four kids. This thing is growing and We've had four different homes and people in and out of those homes. We're now planting our second church together. We've served in multiple ministries together. And it's just, it's this life together that it takes shape, it builds, it forms, it grows, and it impacts others. 
And that I'm using that marriage illustration, but that's that's what life with Jesus is like. That but perfect. As you can build this life of Jesus that has a kingdom impact and grows and spreads, and you can witness to it and invite others into it. Jesus is inviting you to experience his life, love, healing, and hope in your own heart. To have that spread out into your home, your neighborhood, into the ends of the earth. You're invited to partake in the greatest purpose that there has ever been or ever will be to live for. And then to witness to that kingdom breaking into your life and invite others into that kingdom. Amen? I'm going to just close us with one verse that is just astounding. Astounding. This is a, a verse of the future. This is a verse of the future. Take a deep breath. Listen to this. Listen to this. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Seven is, is, a, is a symbol of completion. And a symbol of completion. It's, it's the... the the final angel blew this final trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world, and I just want to pause there, the kingdom of the world with its darkness, with its guilt, with its shame, with its sickness, with its wars, with its famine, with its jealousy, with its greed, with its brokenness, with its, you'll never be enough. The kingdom of the world has become, it has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. As this is the end of the story. The kingdom of the world, with all of its darkness and junk and brokenness and baggage, will become the kingdom of our Lord in Jesus Christ. With all of its light, with all of its forgiveness, with all of its healing, with all of its harmony, with all of its wholeness, with all of its love, with all of its perfect relationships, with all of its intimacy. The kingdom of the world will become that. And in some just astounding, ridiculous, it just doesn't even make sense way, you get invited to help that story come to be. We get to take our part in making that come true. And we don't deserve that, do we? Isn't that the most gracious and beautiful invitation? That one day when that's where, when that seventh trumpet has blown, we can say, Man, I'm in this kingdom and I, I gotta take some part in helping this ending of the story come to be. What grace, what goodness, what a purpose. Let's witness to it and invite others into that story. 
Amen? Amen. Jesus, you are so, so, so good to us. Now we just praise you that we have hope, that we know the end of the story. Lord, sometimes you turn on the news, sometimes you walk outside, sometimes you go into the workplace and you just go, man, if the kingdom of earth is winning, like that, you can just feel so hopeless. You just like, where are things going? But Lord, one thing we have seen from Genesis to Revelation is that we have a God who makes promises. And he, we have a God who has always and always will keeps his promises. And this God has promised that the kingdom of the world, with all of its junk, will become the kingdom of our Lord in Jesus Christ. And it won't be for like a four-year period, like when you get one good ruler, or 20 years of having a good king, or this or that. It will be forever and ever. Forever and ever. The kingdom of life, love, healing, and hope reigning forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to remember that. To be filled with the hope that that promise brings. And Lord, show us. Show us where. Where in, in our neighborhoods. Where in our relationships. Where in the little spaces that you have uniquely created us to be at. It's not an accident where we can help bring light, love, healing, and hope to others, where we can help move this story closer to its ending, because it is a good, good ending, an ending that is really just a beginning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for this weekend, for your kingdom coming and being in our midst in this time. Help us to live in the beautiful rhythm of witness and invitation witnessing to your goodness and inviting others to taste and see the Lord is indeed good. Amen.